International. There we go. Welcome to Leading the Blind, everybody. Uh, your host, Jared McCorkle and... Ariel Norman. Nice. Um, this episode... <laughs> Thanks we, for the approval. <laughs> good job with that name saying. That's like, I did say my name pretty well, to be it fair. It was good. It was... I, I felt like I was too needy. And then you came in with a just a It casual. was like, you know how Ellen has that thing about when you have to record your voice for a voicemail, and it's always like, hello, this is Ellen. It wasn't at all like that. Yeah, not at all. Who's... Oh, Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this episode had Jake Flores, and it was fucking great, I thought. It was one yeah. of my favorites so far. It was an efficient episode because we had to cut time. I think we only True. had like an hour or so, but it was really good. Uh, what, you want to? Yeah. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know Jake, he was an Austin comic, one of our Austin comics who moved to New York a few years ago. Um, so we were excited to interview him and talk about how that's been going. Yeah. And Jake's like one of my comedy heroes. And on this episode. In a gay way or? Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah, straight way, gay way, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I just meant you're clearly attracted to him. Uh, he's, uh, um, I have a uh, talent crush on him, okay. I'll tell you that much, and a physical sexual one, mm-hmm. those two things, no, but he, um, yeah, we talked sort of about like art, the art side of comedy versus the industry side, and uh, when those two sort of cross over, and also uh, like sort of the stamina that you need as an artist in the industry to sort of keep going and things like that. Yeah, that was great. It was it was really illuminating. It's given me a lot of ideas, so I think you're going to really enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy, guys. I mean, well, you know, I think we'll. No, but I was because usually you ha- like have the more structure, like, the like and life. Like, how long you been doing this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, be better than this stuff I got. Well, you'll have the more insightful questions. Oh, you. That's your one compliment this month. <laughs> uh, what are you? What were y'all talking about before I got here? You. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> what, uh, been, what have been the first? Uh, you know, just making conversation. I, it's the same thing like when I was talking to Mario where it's like I didn't want to burn anything we might talk on the oh yeah thing. we mostly talked about Mario yeah and Kimchi. brothers <laughs> yeah. oh not Mario uh, the comedian not, not Mario no you, you got Mario, Mario brothers, brothers. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and noise music and shit like that do y'all play video games the two of y'all uh, I try to I don't have the time anymore right same I have the desire just not the right. ability it's better than I don't anyway. much less the money to pay for anything I started though my brother is like uh, his Asperger's and kind of fucking stuck living at home and shit and something to hang out with that much so I started recently we like kind of Skype and play a video game online and uh, oh, that's sweet. There and crush beers and shit it's pretty fun that's a great you know what I have a really Asperger's brother maybe I should bond with him And me too maybe we it's the same brother yeah. <laughs> is he morbidly obese yours no See, I, he's, actually a, a he's actually he's a super Mario brother <laughs> yeah he's Italian we don't know why yeah my brother's a wrestler is he professional wrestler yeah I've told you that before but he has Remember, Asperger's. I told you, I told you that so thing funny. that Saverino told me, which but is I isn't told that me. like when like retarded people like can get in that, in that rage and is it the same <laughs> for Asperger's? Like his, he met a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, Asperger's. No. Is he getting retarded in here? <laughs> Berserker mode. Let's <laughs> hope <laughs> so he doesn't listen to this one. Okay. Well, <laughs> does your brother? Can he hear English? I'm just yes. <laughs> can he comprehend? Yep. Okay. Yeah, all that. Yes. Um. What? Oh, you just want us to start? Because yeah, we have to. We have, oh yeah, we I know. Like I just still, I still like the whole whatever, the yeah. whole casual thing. But that's for fine. Sure. Hey, Jake, thanks for you know joining us. Hey, um, thanks for having on me. this lovely afternoon during the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Excited to have you. Um, yeah, time crunch. So let's just get it going. How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, hit ten years last year or something. Congratulations! Well, that would make it no, uh, some somewhere around ten. I don't know. It's a fucking blur. So <laughs> do, you probably didn't start in Austin then. Huh? I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good I, lord. I lived here when I was nineteen, and that's when I first started doing open mics and stuff like that. Way, 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 way back, back before in, all this crap existed. Man. Yeah, two thousand six, <laughs> two thousand seven. So it was just like Valve and Cap. Mm-hmm. Like when Cold Town opened, everyone was like, "Holy shit!" Whoa. There's a third thing. Right. And now there's you know shows everywhere, which is good. 
Yeah, it and, is. Um, I feel like an old man now because I'm like, you know, you guys used to be a lot harder. Used to walk <laughs> through the snow that doesn't exist in Texas. Basically, everybody that's been on this podcast right. has said some version of that. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to shake my cane too hard, but you guys have it fucking good. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> we are we count our blessings and we we yeah, and we've told. Um, comics before via this podcast like hey don't take it for granted all that stage time is valuable use it yeah. don't don't waste it um, people didn't used to have that and so me and my crew man we built this shit I'm very proud of it I'm yeah well thank you who's in your crew uh, when I started it was like Norman Wilkerson was running shows at Beerland uh, with Avi Hartman and then like that was when like um, I don't know, like Lucas Milanas and Carrie Lindo and like that whole sort of generation of people a lot of people uh have since moved so I'm trying to remember who maybe like still here um, Carrie's still here yeah mm-hmm. uh, and then like yeah. after that like a few years after that when I feel like I started to kind of find my voice and like get where I was that's when like Nick Mullen lived here and Chris Cubis moved here and stuff and like uh, then it's you know there's just all these classes and stuff like yeah. generations yeah. it's a uh, it's wacky to think about yeah. yeah all those guys are like legends yourself included where it's like i just yeah, you always hear about them or something like that it's like yeah. the long long ago in the before time yeah <laughs> well we've learned a lot about it doing yeah. this podcast we'll still learn more nothing but bad news i hope <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty bleak what, what are you here uh-huh no but uh, so you moved here you moved away from here a few years ago yeah about three was, and some change i was gonna say it was a little bit before i moved here because i moved here at the beginning of 2015 but i mean people always talk about you it's with only positive words about uh, i don't believe that for a second but thank you well they were your friends you know <laughs> they're maybe no, those are the ones that would have shit on him i think <laughs> well i guess maybe when i hear shitting on from comics i hear it as a compliment well, yeah this the, also the generation of people that like lived at the sandstone when i was there like we all have this thing where we got very like comedy celery and we were like really into insulting each other and yeah, shit yeah. It's crazy and so i keep forgetting like i'll meet somebody who is a normal human and they'll be around it and they're like are you okay like you guys like each other and like, oh, this is just friendship for us i didn't realize the sandstone went back that far mm-hmm. uh like, yeah I, I live in the sandstone now and still there's like 20 comics in there now yeah it's been a thing for a long time that's, but i mean like geez i want to say like eight years ago or something is crazy. like when that started that's, i think that's like older than the oldest open mic here yeah that's still well, surviving besides I mean. valve and stuff yeah right, yeah, right, yeah, 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 besides, yeah. yeah yeah besides two clubs yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure surprising that there is no sandstone open mic you guys may as well <laughs> just down the yeah. it would be awful it yes, would it be, would be horrible. Truly awful. <laughs> just people from the second floor throwing things down yeah, at you. Like, shut up <laughs> you suck uh, so why did you you moved to LA right New York New York fuck I don't know uh, New York yeah you no know, if your last name is flowers it just makes me think it should be <laughs> should be LA uh, and why did you decide to move to New York and and why then um, I feel like if you're doing something creative especially in the entertainment industry um after a while you know this is like i've been doing this for 10 years so a lot of this is just life stuff like i was you know doing it and started to sort of get a foothold in the industry a little bit and like things were bubbling up and i hit a point where i think it was like do or die like you know everybody who moves to new york moves when they're like 27 exactly i don't know why it is it's like the the exact age when you start thinking like what's gonna happen when i'm 30 you know what am i gonna get married or i'm gonna have kids or whatever um so for me it was definitely like a thing where it's like all right if we're gonna do this like it has to be now um but you know i mean the reasons are like that's where the industry is you know if you want to like do this stuff for real which is changing a little bit because the internet and stuff like that and sometimes i do watch friends of mine that stayed here blow the fuck up and go well shit um (laughs) maybe i should have stayed but uh you know it's half because i think there are a lot of opportunities there for like getting comedy jobs and stuff like that half uh because i just wanted to climb the fucking mountain and see if i could do it and half because uh well that's three halves but you know what i'm saying uh (laughs) because um you know personal stuff man i was just kind of drawn to it i just wanted to see if i could do it and like uh I like it. It's, you know? it's yeah. romantic, right? Like yeah, living right. In New York totally. City. Yeah. It's a mythic, monolithic right. thing, you know? Yeah, so New York versus LA, especially in that sense. And then, and how has it been? So you know you've been there about three years. Yeah. So do you have uh, like a writing job or anything like that there? Yeah, I write um, I write for the New York Observer, um, oh, which is no longer owned by Jared Kushner, everyone. So uh, <laughs> Nice, can, finally. Uh, that's cool. Um but yeah, uh, I got a job writing like satire, basically, uh, through a friend of mine who left to go write for Last Week Tonight. And um, 
I pitched this crazy idea to this editor and I thought she, you know, I thought, oh, I took a huge risk and like it, you know, they, they weren't going to email me back. And then like a few days later, they went, holy shit, that was hilarious. We showed it to the fucking owner of Netflix and yada, yada, yada. And uh, what are you, some sort of comedian? What's the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then it, it just sort of worked out from there. Um, but uh, to that point, though, I think if this podcast is about career stuff and you guys are looking for advice and that sort of shit, that was a big moment for me when I realized, which I think I've realized over and over again in this industry, is like, you got to make this shit yourself. Nobody went came to me and said, hey, Jake, we want you to write satire. We want to come up with something. Like, I had to formulate that whole thing, yeah. take a chance on it, pitch it to somebody, see if it worked, and then it worked out or whatever, you know? So how long had you been in New York before you got the job at the Observer? Um, Like a year, maybe, I want to say a year. And so this was a friend that you had met doing doing stand-up. Yeah. Um, he switched up, so you just had that opportunity. But is it right when you were... To get that job, was this you pitching that satire, or was that uh, a separate thing? No, nah, man. Um, I guess in in uh, full disclosure or whatever, uh, it was Josh Gondelman, oh. who's a very awesome comic, and uh, he's a very nice person, mm-hmm. and he's actually a pretty interesting person in terms of like looking at navigating the industry because like so much of this has zero to do with what you're doing on stage and like just this all this social stuff unfortunately yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like who you know you know you, it's a business i mean you're like a one-person business so you're gonna make the right connections and stuff like that and josh is a really nice person and his part of the way he's risen to the top of this industry also is that everybody loves him because he's not like a shit talking you know sort of negative person like um and so i was just talking about how i wanted to write when i was up there and he went whoa well i write and i know this people you should meet this person and he didn't like force it he didn't go like you know risk his own neck uh, i think he uh, if he was willing to connect me to this editor that you know gave me this opportunity he probably at least believed in you know my ability because you wouldn't do that you don't look bad you know you'd you'd be polite to somebody if you didn't actually think they were good enough to you know to introduce them to your boss or whatever um that's like the necessary condition you have to at least be good yeah and then you can tell when someone's like oh i'll totally look into that and they're like (laughs) lying so like um that kind of happened through just i don't know i mean it's it's like like a million little bricks though i mean you know met this person through doing stand-up and then on tour somewhere we ran into each other in the same city oh you develop a relationship and then you know you kind of have a mutual respect and after a while if you do this with enough people and you just play the game right and like are a good person about it things start to kind of happen right um sometimes it doesn't work that way sometimes it's not as much of a meritocracy as i think it should be but for the most part like i think there's like a toxic sort of poison that you can get in like being cynical and trying to like navigate your career and that never works for anyone you just gotta kind of keep your head down and just try 10 times harder than everybody else (laughs) can i ask you about when you moved to new york uh so I assume the idea was like, okay, I'm kind of ready, like talent wise and ability, and I've got some uh, like clout behind me or something like that. Yeah. When you got there, though, did it feel different? Was it like, oh, I've really got to step my game up, or what, did it feel just like an extension of what you had been doing in Austin? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, it changed the way I think you thought about everything. And uh, whoa, whoa. What's that? Uh, check. Seems like it's coming in and out. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. We good? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. cool. Uh, what the what? fuck? Oh, there it goes again. Okay, give me one second. Yeah, no problem. Take Sorry. Literally hold that thought. Well, <laughs> well not literally. But mm-hmm. Check, okay, check, check. Is that working? Yeah, this should be good. It's like afraid. Uh, all right, <laughs> then we're back. Uh, <laughs> LaCroix, everyone. (laughs) Um, Okay, so, yeah, no, absolutely. Moving to New York hit me like a ton of bricks, man, because um, the thing is, in small scenes like this, you tend to contextualize everything as being this, like, really small cast system and hierarchy. And, like, for instance, the funniest person in Austin contest will drive you crazy and make you (laughs) value yourself at the level at which you succeed in that contest. You know, you go, oh, I'm a semi-finalist person now. I've hit the middle tier. Oh, I'm a finalist now. Oh, maybe I'm going to win. Like, it's interestingly, that has something to do with the fact that this is such a small, closed community. In New York, like, 
everything is different. Um, really, that doesn't exist as much. Like, nobody really cares. You, is, is it just too sprawling to support that kind of stuff? Well, it's just such a massive landscape that, like, it feels way more like you're just kind of in a big ocean. And, you know, it's it's not like... Oh, this person is at this level, and this person's at this right. level. It's like no one knows who the fuck anyone is. Right. And the only way to get any success is to be somebody who comes out of obscurity by having made a thing that then everyone is. It's so good that people start talking about it or whatever. So uh, for whatever reason, it's you're not trapped in this little system anymore. So like That's one one thing that happens to people is that you become a big fish in a small pond, like Austin, and you think you're gonna like have all this momentum and move over there, and then it, you. Just Immediately, you're an open micer again. Uh, no one gives a fuck if you're headlining in Alabama or whatever right. that week. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, which is good, though. It's like good for you, especially as like a creative person. Um, you shouldn't get too big for your britches and like uh, think you're done working ever. You know, like it's kind of fun. if you really love like the craft of you know comedy or whatever, then like that's exciting. You know, to like. Yeah be able to fail again yeah because like you know there's parts and i'm like gonna fucking brag but like you know the last year i lived here i was like man like i just can't i'm just like uh, you can't do I, badly I knew them. everyone in town so right. i just whenever i went on stage we'll <laughs> let you know into it or whatever yeah. and it was fun but it changed the way i wrote when i uh uh, I don't know. Like I, I did also write some good stuff that I was able to write because I was like, Oh, this, the, 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 the it's going to be so easy that I can take a lot of risks. But in New York, I think you write like tighter, shorter jokes. Cause everything is like, is this going to fucking work? You know, you're yeah. like, so uh, do or die. And the open mic sucks so hard. I just want to highlight that. Cause I don't think that's come up in the podcast before this idea is that I had thought about, uh, you know the funny guy in your friend group mm-hmm. uh, he kills because everybody knows him everybody knows where he's coming from everybody knows his humor style totally so in a sense like a scene even a larger scene like Austin you can have a similar thing you can get to a point where everybody kind of knows what you are and where you're coming from you don't have to work for that anymore in the same way yeah and it's you know the, that's such an invisible thing that like we never think about it but that, that sort of context comes into play when someone's famous if they're famous in like Absolutely, the, the yeah. national right. culture or if they're completely obscure or if you're in a different city that's got a different size there's like an anthropology to all this stuff and like it's um and so you as a performer probably come up with that confidence too so like if you are if you know i'm i do great here i kill in austin or something like that it probably helps yeah and there's a self-fulfilling prophecy to it here like i know it's gonna work when i come here so then i go on stage a lot more confidently and then it does work because i know it's always like a yeah. loop of logic there yeah it's crazy so like you kind of have to be on top of that shit and just like always try to have that attitude that's something cubist always said <laughs> we would talk about this he would just be like i just have to like the second before he goes on stage just like really you know become like a fucking rapper almost you know just like way into yourself and it works that's you, why his whole attitude on stage is see, like yeah, he is like telling a, you shit yeah. you know he has like a john brown level of like in like those those old like paintings of john brown where it's he's just this wide-eyed amazing character on stage you can't help but be yeah. like he knows what he's doing yeah totally right. and yeah. it wouldn't work if he was like hey guys uh, it was my, you know, <laughs> right. i'm not sure but maybe fuck racism you know <laughs> right because he does so much riffing and and which is valuable and it's like you say you have to take these risks and, and you know be vulnerable like that even if he could do his material and you know crush and whatever but all that riffing that's like you have to force yourself to do that if you're going to be in a scene like this and if uh, and and then you have to have the confidence to be to be pulling that up I thought it was really interesting what you said like when you going to New York having the chance to fail again and that being really valuable I mean that makes sense to me because I think I mean, once you like climb some ladders in a smaller scene, then it becomes painful to like, you know, fail yeah. in front of your friends and or people who look up to you or whatever. And so the idea of going to New York and being in this kind of obscurity and then like just being able to be like, all right, I'm going to go do four minutes and I'm going to do, you know. By the way, I could just sit here all the like really bad diluted open micers right now like, well, I'm, I'm failing now. I don't even need to go to New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good yeah, thing. That, well, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, one of my favorite things about New York is that because everyone is constantly on the grind there, you get to see famous people bomb. Yeah. And when you watch it, it's something about seeing it in person like that makes you rethink everything you know about comedy yeah. and like recontextualize and go like, oh, right. This is like this for everyone. It doesn't matter. You know, it's it made you feel good. Like, yeah, it's also a little bit of schadenfreude, you know, <laughs> Take that, Jim it's Gaffigan. comforting about your own. Yeah. And it allows you like, oh, if they can fail and it's OK, I can fail. And yeah. It's okay. And you can kind of just see all the bones of the process when it's happening because you're not like hit with the whole, you know, starstruck magic thing that happens when you see a fucking huge comic. And, yeah. You know, you're just like everything you do is great or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's cool, man. It teaches you a lot. So, uh, day job in New York? Oh, hell yeah. Um, I am vehemently outspoken about having a day job because I think that something in, in comedy that really sucks is that there's class issues and no one talks about oh, it, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, especially people that are able to fucking move to New York or LA, these expensive cities are secretly kind of rich, man. And mm-hmm. yeah. in keeping with that there is also a thing that you have to do if you're trying to establish yourself as a professional you want people to think that you're a professional comedian so you downplay the fact that you fucking work right you talk about this that's the opening thing you talk about in your album yeah 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 yeah. that's great yeah um and i i get why people do it because it's self-fulfilling prophecy if people think you're already professional then they will treat you like a professional and then they will hire you but fuck that shit because right. what are we doing with this what are we doing with these microphones man we're trying to fucking pick things apart and find the truth right yeah so um i like it, it is it, like counterintuitive to my own career to like kind of talk about this shit but like i just I, it outweighs it for me yeah, like it's too important to me man and so what is your day job uh i used to be a bartender and i was for a long time and part of like my time in austin was figuring out like what i was going to do as a career and kind of like way to make money that's the highest paying thing i know how to do um <clears throat> i <clears throat> I was like a fucking what a janitor pizza guy or whatever for a long time and then I went oh I need to have a trade like if I'm going to be able to compete with people yeah. I need to have a way to make money so I can like move to New York and etc and like survive and shit so I did that for a long time recently I I just it, it was clashing with comedy so much yeah, I got nice. tired of having to take off work got tired of using my brain honestly like talking to people behind the bar That's interesting it's yeah. fun but I couldn't write when I got off yeah. I'd be like I don't want to think verbally anymore you know so lately I've been working as a bike courier and uh, it's pretty rad I just push concrete all day and like listen to audiobooks and get stuff get your workout in and get your I'll, audiobooks and I'll read like an entire book right. and then be able to come home and podcast and you know, have and shit have, like, to talk about like, yeah that's really smart yeah. yeah no I've been trying to figure out what I could do lately that would be um, yeah something where I can listen to audiobooks because yeah, and with the pod between the podcast and the not enough time it's like I rarely ever get to listen I used to listen to yeah two audio three audiobooks a week I just want to say this so I don't forget it uh, there's a bunch of like writery prompty things that I really want to start doing with like two or three other comics yeah one is like having to write a, a joke every day and like pay the other people for not doing it mm-hmm. the other thing is I'm really I think I'm gonna take it start taking a day off now yeah and just you uh, writing on that he means day. a night off instead of going to yeah, yeah. Mike's or instead oh, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah yeah that's a good thing to have and I mean like do you really gotta force yourself to not fuck off on that day off yeah it's yeah. like quote unquote writing you know yeah, can yeah. mean so many things yeah. like well I, I talked to my friend that's writing <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. we had one idea I'm just watching that. pornography like I'm writing right now <laughs> hey I have a lot of good porn jokes so. <laughs> okay let's see so you've but you've only been in Austin New York right you didn't live anywhere else doing comedy yeah correct cool uh, have you traveled around doing some various tours festivals anything like that yeah totally um the first year I was in New York, honestly, I did a lot of touring and so I like, uh, wasn't even there that much and really even sink into it. Um, cause I was just working while I was in town and then, uh, doing weird tours and stuff. I fucking love touring. I, I want to get back into it. I've been out of it a little bit just cause of like financial shit. Cause it's like, you can, you know, you can, Touring like I'm You a, can break you That's kind of where you're at yeah. You're a fucking punk band If you're a comic right. Touring on like The level that I'm on Or whatever um, You could do it But in order to do that You have to be able to like Still take off that time from work 
invest in a fucking weird you know rent a car or whatever and like fucking maybe do, do some postmates and instagram whatever in various towns <laughs> yeah. and also sell merch and, and also have, and you have to have the kind of relationship with your job that you can take yeah. off for a month and they'll be like we're not gonna just replace you yeah right? yeah um but it's doable i love doing it it definitely pushes like the edges of like my ability to invest in this art form but i mean it's a fucking gosh, i love it so much favorite like, city that you've performed in um uh, off the top of my head, you know, I had a really fucking good time when I was in Memphis. Oh yeah, hell and yeah! No, like nobody knows that there's like kind of a secret comedy mm-hmm. scene there because they don't have a club. They just have this bar called I think it's called the P and H, the Poor and Hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like all these people just started a scene in, even though there's no industry or anything. And like because it's just this small town with this big fucking hangout, like it is a fucking party, man. That's, um, that's really and quality. You felt like the comics were doing good shit there. Yeah, and also just the culture of it, though. Like it was the, they're having fun, right? Like it wasn't like you know you're in New York or LA where everyone is like uh, sort of maneuvering for uh, you know position and, and competing. Like it was what comedy felt like when I started like back at the Velve when yeah. like Thursday night was just this big hangout and shit and like yeah you're doing comedy but you're also meeting someone you're gonna date and like uh, you know making friends you're gonna have for your fucking life and shit and like uh, you know this is a fucking art form that's like the more important part of it you know yeah. the business is like who gives if you fucking make I don't know a few thousand dollars and then fucking die who cares you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's like uh, the way they used to describe Boston in like that documentary when stand up stood out where they didn't nobody knew they were gonna be famous they was yeah no, told Stephen Wright there was it, it wasn't supposed to lead to anything and then so everybody was just doing it for the I, I hate the cliche for but the, the love of the game yeah. <laughs> oh but before we get off money I did yeah so um, I mean I assume you have can made, we borrow some money yeah can we borrow <laughs> uh, we Good are luck. taking donations from our guests um, no so uh, I assume you've made some money over the past 10 years yeah is it is there is has there been a climbing trajectory did it take a turn when you moved to New York you know what I mean like is there any hope uh, for us that we'll continue to make more money oh for sure yeah um, I'm definitely it's since I moved to New York and it's you know I feel good about the fact that I moved there because I was like I'm gonna go there and try to get jobs and I got them and shit and yeah. like since then have sort of also been getting like you know more road gigs and stuff like that like I so I was talking about touring early I haven't been able to just fucking do like a crazy tour yeah. but I do get like just one nighters out of town yeah. or whatever. Like I just went and played DC a while back. It was fucking awesome. You know, um, yeah. there is money and it's totally possible to fucking go pro. I see people do it all the time and I'm trying, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just every day, just fucking throw more shit at the wall and see if it works that day. Who knows? It might tomorrow. It might fucking never. Um, but it's totally possible. I'm at right now a place where I get paid well but inconsistently so it's just not reliable enough for me to quit my job and then go like uh just like all right you know these this is gonna pay my bills still you know but i'll make fucking thousands of dollars all at once and then nothing for three months or whatever you know so do you have any kind of goal or or timeline in your mind of maybe i can quit my job in x amount of time yeah i don't know right now i feel like uh, it's that like fucking job interview like where do you see yourself in five years kind of place like over the next fucking five years I feel like I got a pretty good shot of getting there just because everything is moving forward right and you know maybe at a pace that's unpredictable or whatever but like I wouldn't be too surprised if you know that shit works out I wouldn't be too surprised if I completely fall apart and die you know right. Who knows? You, you get AIDS and become a heroin addict <laughs> I, yeah. I mean I have to say that it wouldn't surprise me because there's a certain level where when you listen to somebody's work where you think okay I'm a stand-up fan have been forever and this is the same level as people who are successful you know oh, what I'm saying like cool. there's well yeah because there's plenty of people and and I'm not trying to be shitty to say this part the standard for can you get a Hulu special or something like that is a, do you look polished are you a decent comic right and totally I, and I wanted to kind of segue into this which is that your material you're doing you're dealing with stuff that is pretty fucking heavy like it's it's it has a philosophical element it's about stuff people say you're not supposed to joke this is about. a criticism jared hates heavy. i cannot stand it how dare you no uh, yeah <laughs> but i was curious because uh, we you mentioned uh, and i was hoping you could talk about this a little bit you mentioned taking risks uh-huh. on stage and like how did you parse that against 
I'm trying to work in this business? Yeah, no, that's a really good question because uh, that is kind of what I'm all about. And if I felt a little bit strongly about it, I might just go what I think a lot of people do and just like, throw it away and just go like, no, I'm going to play the game and, you know, be nice and polished and stuff and navigate the industry that way. But because it's like, it's the thesis of kind of where I'm coming from. Like, I, it's just, that's just what I do. Like there's, I'm not going to divorce myself from it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a fucking, uh, how, do punk house shows and shit like that. That's the world I'm coming from. So these are the ethics that I'm kind of bringing to it, which I didn't always realize that not everyone else like feels that way about everything. Um, I, th- you mentioned like the polish thing, which I think is really interesting. Cause I like, I'm a sloppy comic. Like I'm just going to go up and sort of let my mouth run and kind of rant all over the place and stuff. And I, I've had some contention with the industry sometimes because some people in this industry are like hell bent on be like being the person or club or whatever that produces like, comics that get on like Conan or whatever and like you know they want you to have this rote late night set that is repeatable word for word and written down or whatever and I get that that's a thing but it's just not what I do yeah and like if I try to do it then it doesn't come off as funny comics are only funny when they're being themselves so if you tell someone to be like something else then they sound like it's like if Chris Cubis was not right very confident like that sort of thing or whatever um So for better or worse, um, I always feel the implication to take risks. Also, a lot of that is just like weird mental stuff, like OCD or whatever with me. Where like I'm you feel gonna, more compelled to do it. I feel compelled for some crazy reason if I'm not supposed to do something or whatever. And that's that's a cliche in comedy. Like that goes back forever. You know the the fucking truth teller guy that's like I talk about things you're not supposed to. And a lot of those guys <laughs> fucking suck, and they wear leather jackets and smoke no, cigarettes. No, I think and that's shit. a good way to put it, though. You feel compelled. <laughs> I mean, why else are we doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it begs the question, like, why are you doing this? Because a lot of people will say like you know you shouldn't do that that's better that's bad business you know you you're not going to get ahead i'm like are you are you a comedian because you're in business you're (laughs) are you a go into business that's a thing itself you know way easier (laughs) i can tell it put in that context it does seem absurd because it's like if you're doing this to make money in that way you won't yeah Yeah. and even if it's a vanity project like go try to be an actress or something yeah yeah and i get like some people have kids and shit so that changes the game a little bit and also some people like um i don't know work the road or whatever but uh i i'm just that's not where i'm coming from at all and i purposely did not live a life like that um some people tell horrible jokes on the road in clubs <laughs> and they're like, look how good of a business person this person. And you're like, well, why? Like, yeah. is that a fun life? That sounds horrible. Like it's, and it's amazing the way people forget that they are into art when right. they go to an art form, you know, cause, yeah. cause I don't, don't want to fucking start a Facebook rant, but capitalism. Yeah. Just to follow up to dig at this a bit. Did you ever have an experience where, you got people who, you know, industry people or, or who were like, you shouldn't do that. Um, they were like, look, people don't, you're not going to get work if you do that, anything like that. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of a specific instance. And I'm not sure I can pull one off the top of my dome, but in not so many words, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I've also just had a lot of people like, you shouldn't dress a certain way. I'm like, you, but the comedian is a th- like a thing. Like, they, they should dress the way they dress. Yeah. It makes the material more believable and stuff. And like, um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had all of that stuff, but because I learned to not think about this as a fucking one-tiered, you know, cast system thing or whatever, when somebody tells me that, I just go, fuck you, I'm just going to work with somebody else. They're a different venue. And then there are other people who are very cool in the industry who are like, no, we like that you're doing yeah. this, and then you just work with them, you know? Yeah, okay, so I definitely, that gives me, you know, hope, because sometimes I feel like, yeah, I got to just try to do it all, like you have to have the polish thing, and you, but but the I keep going further, and I enjoy it more, and I like myself more when I go in the other direction, which is... Not just being looser, but being more honest and being, you know, not something that's not necessarily going to be great for Conan, you know, Um, and and but I think that there are a lot of avenues to success. But do you have a kind of a an idea of what you would like your career to look like, what you would like the opportunities or the um, the breakouts or whatever to be? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I, I, I think people assume that it's one thing and but they assume different things. Like every, it's just such a huge question. People don't really think about it that much. But that's what the, we're trying to do the this podcast. question <laughs> of what are you trying to do is 
really interesting and different. And um, for me, like I, I get that some people like are just going to hack at this thing until they're like Chris Rock or whatever. And they're just like a fucking monolithic, huge, famous comedian or whatever. Um, I don't really give that much of a shit. Like I'm not hell bent on getting famous. I'm pretty happy with my life right now. To be honest with you, like yeah. if I died doing this, I'd, I'd be pretty good at that. You know, like um, what my main thing, like, is I would love to just quit my day job. Like, yeah. just get paid from comedy and make whatever fucking amount of money. Like, if I could just survive on comedy, I'd be like, the, the I did it. Like, I'm done, you know? Like, I don't really care. And um, it's totally possible. And, uh, you know, like, a, a lot of comics, there are, like, ten people that do comedy professionally, right? Everybody yeah. else fucking writes and shit. And, like, I like writing. Like, I would totally do that as a day job and then do stand-up and make money at night. And, yeah. You know? Because it's not even, like, a day job, really. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're writing. Because yeah. when I think a day job, it's like, that's what I have to do right. all of the day. Yeah. Whereas, because yeah. I've thought about, like, if I could make money doing stand-up, I could just do other shit. Because yeah. now I'm, I'm trying to get better as a stand-up, so I dedicate literally every night to it. And then I work five days a week. So the idea of having, like, a... Like, if I want to do a fucking, like, jujitsu or go do a painting class or right, start hiking, right, right. like, those are not things that I can really do. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's my goal is almost like I want to be able to do, get good enough where I can get, at least have, a, like, have a life. Well, yeah, and totally. have enough money to have a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what I'll, see, the thing is, that's, that's, uh, it's a good point because, like, a lot of people who don't do something like stand up, like, they, you know just work and then do that shit yeah yeah yeah. but if you're compelled to make shit you cannot turn it off yeah like you're just gonna have to keep doing stand-up until you know i can like dude i've been thinking about a video game for like a year and like i'm just like at some point <laughs> when <laughs> i'm successful i'm gonna have time to play that but you know i just whatever but I, I like stand up more yeah yeah so and this might be a weird question but do you have an idea of how much money you would need to make a year from comedy to to be like okay i don't have to have a day job i can live off this little i think i could probably live off of like 20 grand yeah 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 see and that is that's the thing once you know comics like and if it, comics who are listening if you take it seriously that's the biggest thing learn how to live on fucking nothing yeah for sure i have friends that um that are you know pros in new york and you're like wow you're this huge person but then you like hang out with them and you're like wow you live like that's this why we all yeah. eat taco bell <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but i mean that's 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 just if you know that going into this that's where you might land and that's yeah. totally fine because you got to wake up every day and remind yourself i don't have to go wait tables because of this yeah. you know like yeah so uh, i mean do you have a kind of idea of then like some money off of um albums and some you know merch touring like or, or are there some is there something in, in in your career that would be a goal where you'd be like, this would help me take me to that next level? Yeah, for sure. In complete transparency, I am trying to get on that fucking Patreon money that my dumb friends all got. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nick Mullen and his yeah. stupid fucking podcast. And, and Chapo Trap House. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, man, I fucking, I feel like such an idiot because like when I lived here, somebody sat down and you know, this is an app. This is Silicon Hills or whatever the fuck people call it here in Austin. Yeah. Uh, so there's all these tech people with all these fucking ideas for apps and you just blow them up. You just, oh, it's another fucking guy in a polo shirt. All right. But, <laughs> but there was a guy who was like, I got this idea. It's people are going to like, you create an account as an artist and people just give you money yeah. to like, you know, fund what you're doing just in general. I've not had even that idea in my head so many times. And I <laughs> argued with him. It was like, no one will buy into that. There's no way it'll work. And then a few years later, my dumb friends became the most successful people ever at that shit. Uh, so now I'm turned around on it and I'm like, well, maybe I was being too cynical. Maybe there's a fucking way there, but uh, I do feel like it's good. So I, I don't think that Nick and Chapo are necessarily robbing the bank at all with this though, because they created a business model yeah. that just didn't exist before the internet. It's totally, I, I subscribe. Like I listen to Chapo, man, yeah. I'm fucking great wolf. I happily give them my money because I get so much out of that podcast. Yeah. So, 
I think podcasts are a really fucking awesome uh, medium right now, and they can do a lot for us and by cutting out all the middlemen, the yeah. industry and shit. Who t- who, you know, 100 years ago, 100 years ago, 20 years ago, if you were to start something like a podcast, there'd be somebody in the industry, we don't think you're ready yet, and we're going to like kind of need you to... Re- and then, so instead, with where podcasting is now, you just fucking make the thing and yeah. put it out there, and then yeah. people hear about it, and then the fucking industry comes after you because now yeah. they're like, they have no idea where people get their media anymore yeah so uh there's a lot. i also think it's a skill set which is why we wanted to do it so early i think that there's a bunch of comics and artists that look at podcasts and they think oh why are you doing that nobody's going to listen to it it's like yeah it's my stand-up's that way yeah I'm trying to get good at it sure, and for sure it. yeah yeah and i think similar because i think there's an art to this I'm not it's more of a craft like i don't think it has the same kind of expression but there's definitely a good way to do it and a bad way to do it right oh, right that's a that's a good point i also really like love podcasts i've been a fucking headphone junkie for years yeah. I, think I got a touch of the asperger's and <laughs> keeps me away from people you know but uh but i'm really into it as a medium i wouldn't i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't like it because then i would be the person i was describing before who's right. like business being a good businessman in comedy like this is <laughs> about the money but as soon as i realized that i had a fucking idea and it would maybe work in this model i went okay these old things match together or whatever yeah and i think the patreon thing i mean it's just like there are a lot of people with money in this country and it's not very it's there's not a good way for artists to get supported and that's been a real yeah. problem and now there is and it's just like directly just give us money people like us people like that we're doing comedy yeah i, but, I, I have an idea too uh, it's where they pay the government Subsidizes yeah. it. Well, insane, I would be fine with him. Yeah, still living. But we'll see. Socialized podcasting. Let's oh, I thought you just it. meant for and everyone gets a living. No, I just it's I, anytime there's like this idea Way of like how can we get the market to like yes. allow for art. It's like I don't know, just have people not starve, and then maybe they could do it because yeah. they. Yeah. There's an idea like that people wouldn't make art unless they were sort of like they could find a way to but I think it's like it's that's obviously not true we're all doing it for us. free look at us <laughs> right. we're all and loving or, it yeah. and they think the best shit is made by people who aren't coming at it yeah. as with this mindset of like you know it's a career and capitalistic and you gotta make a certain amount of money like the best people are just actually artists you know? right yeah if we were all if we all just got like food and and everybody was completely sustained we would then be like okay Great, i also have more dick time. jokes yeah. that i want people to hear yeah cool okay well i think that that answers that kind of money stuff that i wanted to know oh here's a question i'm trying to ask everyone now how many nights a week do you perform and what's the kind of show to mic ratio um in new york it's obviously going to be a little fl- fluid and kind of move around but generally i probably like doing a show like once or twice a week mm-hmm. uh, just because of like working and shit uh, if I'm really like, you, you kind of it comes in waves especially like in like New York or something like that you have an opportunity to be up every second of every day kind yeah. of but there's also so many people so like when you're kind of in the you sucked up into the current and like the whirlpool and everyone is you're on everyone's mind you can get up every night um, there's times when I'm like a show every fucking night um, but that's the, gotta feel good yeah it's cool and it definitely it also helps with material the more you're performing and stuff um, it just tightens up your act or whatever but there's also times when like I'm just working on other shit or whatever and uh, you know I'll be up like twice that week I don't really do open mics in New York that much I find them useless yeah um because of the supply and demand shift right. that it's exists still a big problem in New York yeah there's just no, there's no audience and the audience is the thing that you're testing the material on so right. you're actually fucking yourself by right. testing other comics because they're not normal people right <laughs> they, you know, yeah you're gonna lose faith in jokes that might actually be good or gain faith in jokes that are inside baseball well, well that gives too, a yeah. shit you know so like um, I try to just but also that's a luxury for me because I've been in comedy for so long like I, I don't have the feeling anymore that like if I quit for a month I'm gonna lose it all like I know what I'm doing I know yeah. I, I know how to write a Flores joke you know yeah. um, so I I don't do that much I think there's a myth there because it's this monolithic mountain thing that everyone's like I want to move here and do what Chris Rock did you know like there are all yeah. these like books that'll tell you like you know, you got to do the 10,000 hours. And Which you, is kind of impossible with comedy. I've done a lot of math on this and it would be incredibly like, difficult to get to that in anything less than like 80 years. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it like 30 years? No, I 30, I mean, you'd have, you think about it, like how many hours can you possibly get on stage a week? 
Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Do the math on it. And to, I've done it a, a lot yeah. of, yeah, to actually get to 10,000 hours. Know, I bet that, that he, people like Gladwell include like sitting down Well, that's what I'm saying. It depends on what you include. Oh, yeah, but in yeah, terms yeah. of just actually being on stage, sure. well, and certainly good luck with open mics. If you <laughs> do it in three or four minute chunks, like, yeah, you'll get your 10,000 hours, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I do. I appreciate the grind to an extent, but I also think that there's, people just get, they need to snap out of the shit that they believe in sometimes because like there is an extent to sometimes if you're doing that much comedy, what the fuck are you writing about? Right. Yeah. What's your life? Just your dick. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we did that one already. Oh, how much stuff do you have online? Um, I have an album that is on iTunes. Uh, you can buy if you want to throw me some cash. You can also just fucking listen to it on Spotify. Uh, oh, and a side note real quick. This is an idea that... Um, it's actually my pastor at church. I go to church. Crazy. Crazy. Um, what? Yeah. And she, what, she, I can't remember what it was for, but there was a theme and it was like something about like doing a nice random act. And one of the, like, and one of the things was just buy an artist's album because <laughs> no one does that anymore. And I love that idea of like, you know what? Just whether it, it could be music if you want, but just buy a comedian's album, even if you can listen to it on Spotify. I think that is a great idea. If you have money. But it also feels <laughs> a little like paddling. It's against the current a little bit. It's funny that someone had to say that, yeah. which tells you something about yeah. the format of selling albums. Yeah. It's the way the dinosaur. I don't give a the, fuck. That, because it's sort of like that. It used to be. I mean, music general. Everything used to be an ephemeral performance art, uh-huh. and then they figured out how to compress it and then monetize it, and then so technology gaveth. And now we figured out a way to go around that, and it now have taken the way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Now we can't do it yeah. anymore. We got to make money, but but we could still make careers out of like selling tickets and yeah. like uh, you know other stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I've been actually like I've bought a handful of tracks off of people's albums recently because yeah. that's one dollar at a time is all I can kind of afford. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> and I was thinking about making like compilation albums just to to give people like who are express an interest in comedy, but have it be like some from famous people and some from Austin comics or some whatever, uh, and just be like here are some tracks that I really like and it's just kind of a. But what if we that's did a that? Cool idea. Yeah, and what if we just did that for like comics that we've had on the podcast and made it like a leading the blind merch thing that we could sell anyway just an idea so you, cool. we might be buying your if you and asking for permission for that but, uh yeah for sure no do whatever you want with my shit i don't care cool. <laughs> thank you that is on the record okay, does anyone know what time it is yeah 3 13 uh, got, got it got it. okay cool okay. i just want to be done by like 3 30 yeah no we got problem. 15 minutes cool. okay so I any, a, yeah i in, have a thing too i want to get on deck you go. right and just the the um stuff you have on the internet so videos like you have a website right yeah i have a website it's purely a uh fucking contact me yeah it's just for when I fucking try to book something they're like well do you have a professional website like nobody looks at anyone's website anymore right. you know do you like a band do you go to their website are you insane <laughs> I don't like any band anymore <laughs> so I don't have time but yeah uh, but yeah I mean I got, I got some stuff up there I've got clips on YouTube and stuff you how know? many do you have I don't know <laughs> like well because some people think you should only have one or three some people just put up a hundred things uh-huh. like and so I'm curious if you have any kind of Oh, I yeah, I never think about that. I hear people saying that, but I just it strikes me as uh, I mean they might be right. I just have right. not put a lot of thought into it because I don't like I'm like somebody either knows who you are and likes you or not. Yeah, is somebody gonna see a comedian on YouTube and then go that was good? I should go watch that. It's happened, but it's not the main mechanism. We don't have any work. Justin Bieber's of you yeah. Know, of is that, isn't that how he got? Uh, no, it was YouTube. That's uh, what I'm saying. But not to uh, YouTube, but not he, then people went to his website. Actually, it was Pornhub. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a viral Pornhub star. <laughs> I would like him a lot more. Uh, here, you go, Jared. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to ask you about this because Savarino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so um, I'll mention it and you can kind of explain Sure, it. sure, sure. So Jake got into some Facebook heat for posting an article that was about, uh, it was a Huffington Post article where women were mad that the waiter would give the ticket to their husband or their boyfriend instead of them. And you're, you said what? And then we can talk about this. Uh, I said something along the lines of that the ability of someone to uncontextualize class enough to make them think that it's woke to yell at their waiter is like completely fucking <laughs> insane to me because, and I do understand where this article is coming from, but I think it's a huge problem in our fucking culture right now that everything is contextualized in this way where, you know, using identity politics is fucking judo. Yeah. And you can argue 
from one side of a thing or the other using this shit. Usually yeah. it's all straw yeah. man and you it's frame everything everywhere. Yeah. And usually it's just stupid and irrelevant. Sometimes it's fake news. And sometimes you are literally yelling at a waiter, someone who's poorer than you. And yeah. that's yeah. a byproduct of the fact that uh, we intentionally like blinded people to class in America after World War II because yeah. of like socialism and all this stuff or and whatever. So it's like we're just this is just festering shit around forever. There, there are liberals now, people who identify as Democrats, liberals, even leftists who don't know they're supposed to be class conscious. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, I almost mean, think almost no one. Tons of people. And I'll, I'll tell you, be the first person to tell you, I didn't always know that. I always like, I've, you know, I've learned so much through arguing about politics. Yeah. Like, it's a weird silver lining of it, this it, horrible it, election it, that just happened and everything. That. You know, um, I always kind of like a lot of things that I've always felt to be true kind of came into focus more the more I read over the last few years and stuff. But like, it's all another thing everyone needs to understand is it is all right if you're wrong about something mm-hmm. and then you change your mind. It's fine. But yeah. like, the, the thing with the we are hiding behind keyboards and yelling at each other is like you know you just hell bent on like winning the argument and like not even the thing you're talking about anymore and just to speak to your your the content of what you're talking about the first time i heard anything like this was like back in the 90s there were these women that were trying to play golf at the augusta national uh they were mad they were protesting not being able to and and a bunch of people were attracted to it as a feminist cause and then a bunch of other feminists who were poor and people of color were like right. this is your feminist fight you want to play golf at this rich country club <laughs> this we cannot we should make be this. burning the co- golf like, uh, yeah, courses yeah. to the ground it, anyway but. It's, like, it's like yeah right. this is absolutely right according to your identity politics but this is also like saying you know it's like the titanic is sinking and you're mad that you know all yeah of all the rich (laughs) it's the women (laughs) right it betrays a lot about what the where the person is coming from and it's like you know the 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 term for that on the internet would be white girl feminism or whatever rich white girl Mm -hmm. feminism and like the, the the point being the thing that is really hard to put into words that isn't said enough is um, the way this uh, this comedian I like a lot, this chick Natalie Sure, that's also a big fucking lefty crazy person. Uh, is, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was on some Facebooks for she It was during like um, God, that fucking the, uh, it was after the women's march. I don't know. So what she said was, uh, oh, we were arguing over the 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 fearless girl statue on Wall Street, and people mm. are saying, well, it's just good because they're putting a woman in there, and that's good for women, and but. Wall Street fucks over so many fucking people and half of those are women but it's like way more people women are going to suffer from this thing being promoted than are going to benefit from this one woman right so she said the way she said it was um, unless you're uh, and I'm quoting so I might fuck this up but unless you're taking money away from these people and giving it back to poor people what you're doing can't inherently be called progressive because it doesn't matter how many pussy hats you're wearing or whatever like feminism and all these isms came out of progressivism yeah they're all economic nobody talks about how fucking economic martin luther king was it's all just like oh he's just thought we should all get along because of skin color and stuff but 90 yeah. percent of his shit was like because he understood the underlying economic things that make all these isms fucking happen and and the fact is is that there's an expression whitewash but there's not an expression bourgeois wash sure sort of suggests something about the missing variable there in the conversation yeah sure so which is why i'm starting controversial fights on the internet (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna start i'm gonna start paying more attention to those (laughs) Can, can you speak to the controversial image or uh the controversy of it because specific because i got in trouble for some stuff similar to this yeah and like i've been curious like should do you feel like maybe it's just the all the the we call it the flack is not worth the conversation or do you think i mean uh, speak truth to power like how do you how do you think of it because i think i'm so right about what i'm talking about i don't feel like i should back down there is an extent to which you know sometimes it's okay to be wrong about something and like sometimes i will re-examine something and go maybe i was wrong about that but this is just one of those things the reason it made me so mad is because it hit the fucking nail on the head of what the problem is online right now um i did get i mean i don't know i got mostly people agreed with me but there were a few friends of mine who saw it as anti-woman and i get where they're coming from but my whole point is that the fact that we are able to contextualize things that aren't that as that is a huge fucking problem because they're going to use it against us yeah um so it's like the 
I'm sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. No, I no. think you spoke to it r- really well. And and we have 10 minutes. Yes, yeah, I, so, so I have yeah. two closing questions. Do you have anything real quick? Just my, I'll just ask the obvious closing question, which is that I'll, uh, since Go you're ahead. not in Austin, I won't ask the Austin one. I'll ask this, which is uh, how do how would you, what advice if you could tell one thing to your to, to no no the, uh, to uh, like open mic comics or that level comic, what's the one thing that just drives you crazy that you <laughs> yeah. you want to stop saying? Or you're like, don't just don't do that. Do you know that? Kind of thing. Oh my god, that's a really good question, and I think uh, there's got to be a few of those. Um, don't let this contest drive you crazy. <laughs> um, that's good. And my, my main advice to people is you got to make your own shit. Like the way Marin puts on his podcast is that the comedy industry isn't your parents. Like they're not going to show up and, you know, congratulate you for leveling up or whatever. Like yeah. you got to think of yourself as a fucking entrepreneur kind of, and I know that's very counterintuitive to what I'm talking about and <laughs> like anti-capitalism or whatever, but like it's, it's a, you know, if, if you're, you have goals, that is how you're going to get there. And you, you know, you also should take a break every once in a while and ask yourself, why the fuck are you doing this? Because comedy, because it's so ego driven, will drive you fucking crazy. I mean, it will make you into a different human because you're so you're attached to your self-esteem to it so much. Yeah, that you just some you need to break out of that sometimes. Go do something else sometimes and rethink like the whole thing, you know? Yeah, that's good advice to me personally yeah. I mean, dude yeah. I remember the first two years I mean it was you just get so hooked and it's so much fun you just rush from it but you you know you're also like you're rewiring your brain a little bit man yeah, yeah. Uh, and so then if is there anything that you would if you could have gone if you could go back and tell yourself in your first few years um, that you wish you had known um yeah Jesus um I guess a lot of the dumb ideas I had when I was younger was, was that like it had to happen by a certain amount of time. You know, I remember like when I fucking first started thinking like, I'll give this like a year and see if it happens. (laughs) And then you that flies by and you don't realize that your entire life's changed and it's fine. Like, it's also fine if it doesn't happen like at all, you know, like, it doesn't matter. You should do, enjoy what you're doing for the reason. Like, don't make it about success. Don't make it about, you know, getting on TV or whatever. Cause even if you do get on TV, you wake up the next day and your life still fucking sucks. And you know, whatever, <laughs> like, you're the same human. It's just, nothing happens. It's an imaginary plateau. Yeah. You know? So like, um, I don't know, just like, don't worry about it and, and have fun. And, uh, you know, don't think about like 30 under 30 lists. Those are fucking horrible. Yeah. You know? Just just enjoy it. Cool. And then, okay, last question. Um, what is one of your favorite jokes of yours, and do you remember how you wrote it? Um, oof. Uh, one of my own favorite jokes. Uh, <laughs> I got one I'm doing right now that uh, I did it the other night, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work, and it kind of it kind of crushed. I was real happy. Is it, is it, it's actually my girlfriend's favorite joke. Um, it's about poppers, and uh, <laughs> I wrote it by doing poppers. <laughs> it's about uh, how I guess this is the one I'm playing around with right now. My favorite joke is always going to be the one that I'm right. currently working yeah, on, totally. I guess, or whatever. But like, it's about how. Um, you know, me and her bought some of these fucking poppers, which are this disco drug from like the eighties that like, you no one ever talk, talks about and they're really fun. It was like doing a whip it or something. Yeah. But the reason nobody ever talks about it is the first thing people bring up when you talk about them is they're like, yeah, that loosens your butthole butt it's for, but, for butt fucking, right? <laughs> and you're like, no, but they're also, you feel like a crazy person. Like, no, guys, there's, it's fun too. there's this fun you drug in here. You have to have anal, you can. So the whole joke is about how like the DEA has been trying to discourage people from doing drugs forever, right? They'll tell you marijuana will ruin your life, heroin will destroy you, crack cocaine, destroy the black community. None of that works at all. None of that compares to the power of homophobia at all. Because (laughs) this drug is completely extinct because people are afraid that you'll watch the Bravo gay. network or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like you watch it or whatever. So then the, the, the kind of punchline I got to is like, what else are they trying to keep me away from? Like, you know, maybe kinky boots is a great show or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final thing is like, maybe having sex with a man feels amazing <laughs> and I just don't do it because people will think I'm gay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's probably true. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. like it, I'm know. still kicking, kicking it around. That's I think great. I'm going to add more to it. But. So just real quick. So then when you, you, ha- I feel like it's, 
when you're talking about poppers, you probably have a conversation with your girlfriend or whoever about, oh, loosen your butthole. And that, 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 that immediate premise kind of comes to mind readily, right? But then then when did you go, oh, let me think of um, these, this, these other, this, this construction of other uh, things that they would, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I think it was kind of, it was rolling around in my head, like, for that week, like, kind of after it, because I kept... I think I noticed my apprehension to tell people that I did this drug <laughs> and was like, why is that there? Like, <laughs> it's really funny. The shit that makes you feel ashamed of anything in life. Cause like, it's very constructed and coming from outside or whatever. So like I, sometimes I, sometimes I make fun of shit by noticing that I'm making the mistake yeah. and then like satirize it kind of. And I think it's like a healthy way to come from. Cause like you have direct experience with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, like when I write satire online and stuff, a lot of the times, like I'm like making fun of something I believed you last thought, week or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and like, uh, it's confusing for people, but I don't care. And you know, that's how I get there. Yeah. Um, but everybody's got their own process, you know? Oh, that's great. Thank you. Really I good. can't wait to hear that joke. <laughs> anyway, thanks Jake. Now we got to go, but this is that was awesome. This is the most efficient episode we've done. I Hell think. yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for accommodating my time crunch. I gotta go. Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah no worries. Thanks. Cool. What a great episode. So good. Now your favorite. Yeah. And, you know, if you want more of Jake, follow him on Twitter at Feral Jokes, uh, which is a great Twitter handle name. And, of course, you can follow me uh, at Poop Tampon and Jared at Jared McCorkle. And let's see. I am, a, if you're listening to this on Thursday, I'm uh, I'm gonna about to go on my honeymoon, but I might be doing something in Houston on Saturday the 20th. So, you know, if you, uh, if you follow me on Facebook or whatever, I don't know. Do we have... Hey, if you're a Houston listener, email us at leadingtheblindpodcast at gmail.com and let me know. We probably got a few people in Houston, I feel like. I bet. Uh, listening. Um, oh, yeah. And if you're in the Austin area at uh, May 24th, uh, 8 o'clock at Speakeasy, uh, my show Double Barrel uh, is going to be happening. And that's... Uh, we're two comics in this case Duncan Carson and Vanessa Gonzalez two amazing comics they're both going to do longer sets and I think you'll really enjoy it so check that out International